Hello, and welcome to the Wavebreak Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and every Monday, I interview the people behind the top Shopify stores to figure out what they're doing to take their stores to the next level and how you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my consultancy, Wavebreak. We help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. Is your email marketing stuck? Do you feel like you could be doing it better? I put together a free 31-point email revenue checklist that lays out exactly what you need to do to take your email marketing to the next level. Get the free checklist at emailrevenuechecklist.com. That's emailrevenuechecklist.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and today joining me is Fred Magnanimi, founder and CEO of Luca and Danny, a jewelry company based in Rhode Island that is known for handcrafted wire-wrapped bracelets. Thanks for coming on the show, Fred. Well, thanks for having me, Dylan. I appreciate it. So to get started, Luca and Danny has a really awesome origin story. Would you mind sharing that? Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, we're, um, we're in the, the jewelry business, like, uh, probably thousands of other brands. Um, I think what separates us in terms of like, if you ask our customers, what I think resonates most with, uh, with the brand is really the brand story. Um, and it's a story about love and loss and inspiration. And, um, and really, I think at its crux, like, uh, really trying to find as we all go through the journey of life, there's things that go well and things that don't. Um, and I think, um, Luke and Danny is really a, a very visible manifestation of things that I've gone through in my life. So, um, I'm 39. I've got three young kids. Uh, the company's actually named after my first two kids. Luke is my oldest son and my, my daughter's middle name is, is Danny. Uh, we gave her that middle name, um, while my younger brother was being treated, uh, for acute myeloid leukemia. Uh, so at the time he was, uh, he was 32 and she was born in December. He passed away in April. Uh, and I think for anyone who's ever gone through either cancer treatments or has lost someone through cancer, um, there's always this frustration because it's such a complex disease. And, uh, you know, I know when my brother went through it, there were days that were very good and you were very optimistic and there were days, you know, just like that, it could kind of, it could kind of switch um, and, uh, you know, you had the peaks and valleys of, of sort of going through the treatments. And one of the things that I was able to do, uh, in during my brother's treatments is spend time with him. I lived in New York city. He, 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 uh, he got treated up in Boston. Uh, I was in investment banking at the time and I would go visit him and spend the weekends and he would talk a lot about work. He wasn't married and have any kids. Uh, and he channeled a lot of like his sort of desire to beat the disease, the sort of to, to come back and come back into to my family's jewelry manufacturing business, which was about a, uh, it's a 60 year old business that my grandfather started in the fifties. And like my dad had, uh, had to, to, to sort of reinvent the business when his father suddenly passed away. It was actually a few months before I was born. I think my brother embraced the challenge of, of trying to, uh, to go out and, uh, build the business, uh, rebuild the business based on the challenges of globalization. And, you know, after he, after he passed away, I think, you know, one of the things that I really channeled a lot of my energy into was, was really that mission of, of, you know, kind of moving back to Rhode Island and, and, uh, embracing the, the dream that he had, which was, you know, to find a way to, to, to make the family business work. Um, 
And and Luke and Danny is is really it started there. Uh, the product started as a kind of an idea that we couldn't kill. Um, and we we launched a, we first launched a product, then we launched a line, then we launched a company, and and now we're you know we're arguably in our space probably one of the one of the faster growing jewelry brands. Um, and it's 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 strange as, as as successful as this business may be, I would I would um, gladly give it up, uh, especially being a father now for you know for uh, the opportunity for my my kids to know my brother. They unfortunately are, were the ones that were were born were, were too young to really remember it. Um, but it's nice to be able to to have a team that uh, shares the same vision and and to have meaning behind building a company. It's not for us. It's not just about jewelry, but it's really about you know, through this story, trying to connect and empower people in a way that I think uh, other brands can't do. So, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, cancer sucks, and I think it's really awesome how you guys turn that into. Well, I mean, you turn it. You, your brother's living on through this business, which is really awesome, and it's it's been around for a while. Um, so, how did you go about transitioning this brand into the current times? Because this this business has been in your family for decades, right? Yeah. So, so my 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 dad and my grandfather before that, um, you know, we sit in a, a twenty thousand square foot, very typical Rhode Island manufacturing business. Um, you know, we sit in a proper factory. I think we're we're probably more, you know, everything we do sort of starts with manufacturing. We I think it's kind of cool. We've we've learned how to make things, which a lot of brands don't necessarily know how to do. Um, and you know, when I started the the uh, you know the challenge for me, I, I worked in uh, quantitative finance and and manufacturing's. Uh, it's cool. It's actually really interesting to see how a lot of these things are made. It's it's very counterintuitive, and some of the engineering that people come up with is is really ingenious. But uh, I, I viewed the facility that my, my dad had and, 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 and the, the infrastructure is really an asset. And it's like, how do we in a digital world really take this and, and become a vertically integrated brand where we can manufacture things that we sell direct to consumer. I wanted to have a lot of control over, um, I want to have a lot of control. And I still want to have a lot of control over the brand message. It's a very personal thing. It's what drives me in terms of building this business. I really feel like I'm a, I'm a champion for, my uh, my brother's dream, and and that's what what motivates me day in and day out. It's hard to outsource that to other people. So my dad's model was really doing OEM manufacturing for other people, where they would put their own brand on it. Uh, and I think one of the things we've done really well is we've been able to leverage the things in here uh, that we viewed as assets and uh, and sort of transform it radically uh, into into something that we can become a direct to consumer brand. We sell through wholesale as well, but but really to shift the, the the focus of the brand we share very very little of the manufacturing stuff that my dad uh, does and he still has the business we we rent space in his factory uh very little of the manufacturing is the same we had to really sort of invent the way that we wrap our bracelets that had never been done by anyone in my dad's company uh and then second we we share none of this the customers so we had to build that customer base obviously the direct-to-consumer we built from scratch but even the the wholesale we sell into about 700 independent retailers through the U.S., and we had to build all of that from from scratch uh, in a in a very challenging retail environment. So it's been uh, been challenging, but uh, but a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I like the idea of like the control and like keeping everything under your roof because it's it's really easy to, I don't know, let go of that aspect, but then I feel like you're giving up a lot. And so speaking of keeping things to yourself, do you outsource anything in your business or for the most part do you like to keep everything in-house? Um, we you know, we there's some things that we outsource from a manufacturing perspective. The benefit of being in Rhode Island is uh, you know, we have a lot of this was formerly the custom jewelry capital of the world. So there's a lot of that, uh, the finding companies and the casting companies and the plating companies are all here. Um, you know, everything's within 15 or 20 minutes. So it's, that's, that's very easy. And there's things we do well. And then there's things that we outsource for production that, uh, that other people do well. We do all the assembly here and we, we try, you know, with the exception of like the Swarovski crystals, we try to really source everything, uh, locally. The whole supply chain is, is virtually within a, a 20 or 30 mile radius. On the direct-to-consumer side, uh, in terms of you know, one of the, the more challenging things for us, manufacturing was a, almost a little bit easier than, than building an e-commerce company because we could tap into resources uh, that existed in this in this um, in this building. Um, you know, they. I think my dad still has an AOL address, and if you saw the first website or the iteration of the website that he had when I came here, um, it should be in a museum framed. It's like a, a relic as a throwback. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's an area we, we, we outsource some stuff. Uh, we actually just took our, all of our email and, and outsourced it. We felt as though we had brought it as far as we could, but we did that for, for probably, uh, uh 14 or 15 months internally. Um, we've, we've had pay-per-click advertising outsourced. We've actually brought all that stuff in. We've got a good guy that used to work at Teespring uh, that cuts all of our Facebook audiences, and he's more entwined in the brand and with the marketing team. So, um, you know, a lot of times he's telling the team what the marketing team what what's working, and they're creating more content, and vice versa. They're coming up with ideas and giving it giving it to him to test. And I think as a I think as a founder and a a founder of a business, I mean, it's nice to go out and build a team. And I think sometimes when you outsource things to to agencies or to other people, I think you, you know, there's a lot of benefits that you get with it. But one of the things you, you lose is a little bit of the control and the transparency around how, how things are working. And I think if if we're able to have bodies in the office that can facilitate uh, helping to build the business, just culturally, it helps to build uh, a, a better team, um, especially with a business like ours, because you have one channel that's direct to consumer through e-commerce, you have another channel that's wholesale. Wholesale, uh, we pre-book sales many months in advance of, of, uh, we're going to, we're going to launch a spring collection tomorrow. And, you know, we booked that in January. So we know what probably is going to be the, the, the hero products or the best sellers. Uh, and then that, that allows the marketing team or the e-commerce team to really kind of come up with, uh, a better go-to-market strategy because they have some visibility of what they think are the good products and then vice versa. Um, you know, it's good for our, our wholesale sales team to sit down with the e-commerce folks because, and we're pushing content directly to consumers. We've got about uh, 450,000 followers across social. Um, so they're pretty vocal. If we do something wrong, they're, they're very quick to let us know. And, uh, and to take all that information of like the consumer, it's the same consumer that's going to buy in a store uh, for the most part, what, what's really driving that consumer behavior, and then use that to educate salespeople and sales associates. So um, you got to have that stuff, my viewpoint, you got to have that stuff internally and the brands that we like are building internal teams and that's what we've, we've tried to emulate. Yeah, I respect that. And you mentioned that you're one of the fastest growing brands in the jewelry space. Can you somehow share the size of your business, uh, whether it's revenue, team size? Yeah, so we're about, we're about 50 people, 
Um, last year we were tend not to, I try to keep uh, dollar amounts near and dear to my heart, but um, the overall business was up 150% uh, last year versus 2016. And that was led by a, a almost 400% increase in uh, direct to consumer e-commerce sales. Um, so, you know, we're, um, we're at a stage where we're growing quickly and, um, you know, we're trying to build that, uh, that community of, uh, of loyal fans that have affinity to the brand and, and hopefully tell their friends about, about, uh, either good product experiences or, or things that they like about the brand. And, you know, we've got a, a very ambitious, uh, uh, plan for the business. You know, when we started this, uh, you know, we've always thought about building a nine figure business I mean, we're, we're early stages of that. But, uh, I think when we look at what we want to build here and the type of people that we're hiring, uh, they're here to build a, a big company. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes that involves a little bit more stress than I want. Uh, good thing is if you see a picture of me, I don't have any hair left, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna go bald. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, 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 we're really, you know, we feel like between the product and the brand story and the marketing, um, you know, we feel like we're, we're really well positioned and, um, I've always been a, a program like an athlete and, uh, you know, we're looking to go out and really put our, our footprint on the marketplace and, and get our market share. So. Wow. So that's some impressive growth. So you grew 150% in the last year. What was it? 400% the year before that? Well, 150% total, which includes the about 65% of the business was e-commerce. Okay. Um, we made some some pretty significant changes to the wholesale team. We actually brought in a, a VP of sales that uh, came out of Pandora. Uh, we brought her in at the middle of the year. So uh, wholesale's tough. It's a it's like turning a a, a big oil tanker. Um, we're direct to consumer through the website. You know, you you can test things and scale it uh, much quicker. So our, our last year, our, our e-commerce business um, was up 400%. And we spent um, – so we were on Shopify. We've actually moved to Shopify Plus. Uh, we did a website redesign in September. Um, we had a lot of really, really basic features on the website. You know, I don't think that we really had a, a fully mobily optimized uh, website until – really until October 1st. And, you know, we did millions of dollars worth of sales, uh, through that, through that website. Uh, so, you know, what's, what, to me, what's cool about the way the world is today is that the, the barrier to entry to starting a website or starting a brand or, or scaling a business. I mean, there's a lot of tools out there that, uh, that are ready, readily available, um, especially on Shopify, because you've got a lot of these plugin apps. If you want a rewards, rewards program, if you want a widget that shows Instagram feeds, basically anything that you sort of want on that platform, it's you know it's pay to play. You have to you have to you have to pay for it. But those things are are there where you press a couple buttons and you insert some code, and all of a sudden it's up on your website. Um, so for us, without really having, we hired a director of e-commerce in uh, in late February. Uh, took him kind of a couple months to get up to speed, but it's not like we rolled into 2017 with a with a big team. And like I said, most of 2017, uh, was, was a very basic, it was actually a, if I remember correctly, it was a pixel union theme we had bought on Shopify. I built the website. I had, I had no idea how to build a website, but it's drag and drop, you know, it's pretty easy. And I think we spent a hundred and, you know, I think we spent $180 on that theme and, uh, ran a, you know, ran a few million dollars worth of, uh, uh, worth of revenue through that, uh, through that, through that website. 
Nice. And your new site looks beautiful. Do you mind sharing who did that for you? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's pollen brands out of New York. They're awesome. We worked with, uh, with Joey and John, um, our, our mobile views percent mobile views is in the, let's call it 75 to 78%. So we're, we, we really give them a mandate to build a, a mobile first website and it's pretty cool. They brought us down to New York. We, uh, they showed us option a, which is what, uh, what best in class you should build and what everyone else is building. And then they said, we're going to show you guys option B. And we liked A. A was, you know, kind of looked like everyone else. It was good. And then they said, <clears throat> we want, um, want to show you option B, which is what, you know, we would build that no one ever allows us to do. And I looked at Chad, who's my director of e-commerce. And I said, I like that one better. And you know, I like to be a little bit, uh, outside the pack in terms of what we do. Um, and we built that on a relatively small budget, you know, that, that, um, that was a five figure build and it made a, it made a massive difference in terms of, uh, in terms of conversions. We were just looking at, uh, conversions for February and it's right around four and a half percent. Um, which, uh, you know, I don't know all that much about e-commerce, but I'm, I'm told that's a, that's a pretty good number. So yeah, we're, we're, we're real happy with, uh, with what those guys did. And, and, uh, you certainly see it in the, in the stats. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks great. Um, and now with that growth, like, is there anything that sticks out as like, okay, this is something like if we didn't do this, we wouldn't have grown that much last year. Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing I didn't talk about is we, in October of 2016, we, uh, partnered up with a venture capital firm, um, which really gave us the resources to, to go out and, um, and scale the business more than what we had done. Um, you know, candidly, I, I had bootstrapped the business myself. Uh, so we're, uh, you know, we're a little bit different than a lot of businesses in the fact that we actually have to make the, the stuff that we're, we're selling. Um, so there's, you know, there's equal part manufacturing needs as there are marketing or e-commerce or wholesale needs. Uh, and so, you know, having, I think having first and foremost, I think having capital or access to capital allows you to do things, uh, that you otherwise wouldn't have done. And, um, you know, one of the things I think while, while you can get to a, a, a fairly good looking basic website, I think for you to start to, to think about really optimizing, uh, an e-commerce platform the way that, that we want to, it's going to require some fairly significant investment from, from good firms that, that have done this before and, and are on the cutting edge. You know, we wanted to, to try to build something that looked forward 18 months instead of saying, you know, let's, let's, let's just, you know, do a new website. I think we wanted to position ourselves where, where we thought we'd be in, in 2019. Um, the other thing for us is, is we, we really, I, I sort of before that had a little bit of experience with, uh, pay-per-click advertising and the power of Facebook and Instagram. Um, and with the additional resources, there was a mandate to go out and really leverage social as a way to go out and build a community. Um, I think in off the top of my head, I think we had something like 65,000 Facebook followers at the end of 2016. So we've been able to really use the, the Facebook marketing, uh, as a way to get our brand message out there. Uh, Facebook's great because it's very visual, um, we're doing a lot of video and a lot of storytelling. Um, and that, that was really one of the things that I think allowed us to get to scale, uh, relative to what, what we, what we were doing before. And, and that was, you know, a, a little bit of capital B a commitment to, to really, uh, you know, understanding what we needed to do with the business and then C just, just, you know, trying things. And, you know, we, we, 
sort of slowly increased the Facebook budgets and we brought on board some people who taught us internally, you know, what to look for in terms of KPIs and how to go out and build budgets. And, uh, you know, you get, you get more of a comfort level in terms of allocating more and more resources towards something that's, uh, that's working. Um, but the benefit of the digital age is I think, I think when we look at it, I want to say it was like 30 million people that we pushed Facebook content over to last year. And, um, it's it's really amazing that you can reach so many people with the tools that you have today, uh, which I think is the benefit of uh, of starting a business today versus doing it you know fifteen or twenty years ago. The downside is it's very competitive, so you know you always have to be thinking about what makes me different than the thousands of other jewelry brands that are out there. Nice, and so with all these jewelry brands, a lot of them are on Facebook and social media advertising as well. And so is it the video and the storytelling that helps you stand out? Or is there anything specific in the in your advertising and marketing that kind of like gives you an extra edge? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think how we cut without getting into too much of it, but I think how we cut the audiences, um, our, our Facebook guy uh, came out of Teespring and I think he had a lot of yeah, a lot of cool things that he learned uh, early days of, of Facebook. And I think uh, he's done a good job of setting up the audiences to be able to go and create the lookalikes fairly efficiently versus uh, the things that we've done in the past. So I think he's built a good foundation with it. But I, and I think content matters. We, we've always really tried to, you know, my philosophy is a little bit different than I think most uh, inspirational jewelry brands. So, you know, we have a, a big part of our collection that's a symbol or a meaning. Um, I've elected to not try to force the meaning on someone. So example, we have this embrace the journey piece, which is a infinity sign with an arrow, pretty, pretty generic. You know, we didn't invent it. It's, it's out there with, with a lot of different brands. We put a card with it that says, and so the adventure begins and it's got a hashtag that says embrace the journey. Uh, we, we did really, really well with that. Uh, sold about a million bucks worth of it, uh, in the month of May and, one of the things that I do, and I think they hate me upstairs for it, is uh, we have a gift note feature uh, on the website. So we allow you to write a message to your significant other or whoever you're gifting the product to. And the team here, myself included, will write the actual handwrite the gift note on a nice like Apple stock paper type of card. So we did 7,000 of those in the month of May. Each of those was handwritten. And one of the things when you do that, you start to really understand why the customer is purchasing the the product. And we realized that they were expressing their most intimate and most sensitive uh, things with their loved ones through this card. And and they're they're choosing to use our product to be able to express that and give it as a gift. So maybe someone graduated, they got a new job, they just got a divorce, uh, you know, their their mother died. uh, They want to just give it as a gift to say thank you to someone. And, and what we learned from that, and it was really kind of transformative for our business, is let's not try to force the connection, the, the meaning on someone. Let's bring them 90% of the way there, frame it up so that they've got you know a good foundation to create an experience, and then allow them to interpret that piece however they want. And that thesis has really been a driving force, particularly the second half of last year, in terms of how we develop product and how we develop content. And I think that's a little bit outside the box relative to what, what other people are doing, where they you know, if it's an angel wing, they're going to they're gonna really tell you what the meaning is, where I think we're trying to allow you to interpret it the way that you want. Because candidly, I don't, I don't know what someone's going through and I don't know how they're going to interpret that piece. So that's been, a, that's been a big thing for us. And then, you know, little, little things with video. Um, 
you know, we've done some pretty cool things with, with video that I think, uh, that I think are at the forefront of advertising. Um, we'll have to continue to think outside the box cause it's just moving at, uh, an insane velocity in terms of the changes. But, um, but we figured out some cool things that are on brand and work for us, which I think is the most important thing. Something it's, it sounds like you're really good at is, is like finding good talent to replace yourself where it's something that you're not as good at. Like, for example, you've got that great Facebook ads guy and you've slowly worked your way up from doing things yourself to hiring great people or firms to take over and do that for you. Do you have any advice for people who are kind of, I don't know, maybe a few steps back from where you are today and looking to grow the same way that you did? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it, I think it's something I've always been good at of just getting people excited about, you know, what I'm doing. But I think, uh, it was one of the, probably the best lesson I've learned from, uh, Matt and David, who are, are my VCs is, is really, uh, hiring good people, obviously holding them accountable and making sure they're doing the job that you're supposed, they're supposed to do, but r- really letting them do their job. And I think, um, you know, for anyone who's listening to this this podcast that's starting a business, the challenge. And I had a uh, a nice conversation with my VCs on the way into work today, and uh, talking about making a new hire. You know, my concern is, well, if I bring this person in, how do I give them the resources? You know, it's not just the expenses of hiring someone who's really good, but they're probably going to want to build their own team, and they may want to do X, Y, and Z that we may or may not have the have the capital to do. So I think. I think, you know, when you go out and you hire good people, I've hired good people and I haven't supported them with the resources and, and that hasn't really worked out well for me. And I'm learning to hire good people, set the culture and the expectations, um, be fluid, learn how to manage them. You know, I, I, I deal with sort of all my employees differently and all my leaders differently because I know if I if I respond to someone one way, they, they, they'll, they'll be fine with it. But if I do it to someone else, um, you know, I'm just not going to get the results that I want. So I think uh, you know, everyone being on the same page, uh, it's almost like a locker room, you know, halftime in a, in a locker room with a football, uh, with a football team where, uh, you know, you need to get everyone on the same page. You go back out there alignment need to block receiver needs to be in position. Quarterback needs to throw it at, at a certain time and really getting everyone on the same page in terms of here's the, here's the, uh, the goal of the vision. Um, but I think you need talent at every level, particularly if you're going to, scale an e-commerce business. I mean, you know, products a little bit of what we do, but jewelry is pretty commoditized. So it really comes down to like creatively, how are people interpreting the brand? What content are they coming out with? Do they reflect the core values when they go out and start to talk to retailers? And uh, I think building a team is, is for me, is the most rewarding part of what I do. It's also the most challenging and probably the most stressful uh, because there's an element of taking things that you would have done one way and, and almost like having to uh, acknowledge the fact that maybe you didn't do it right and you got to let someone else do it a different way. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's critical. You got to, it takes a village. And if you're not, as an entrepreneur, if you're not trying to attack the, the best possible talent that you can bring to your brand or company, then uh, I, I, unless you get lucky, I just don't think you're going to be successful. Yeah, totally. And it seems like it's it's really working out well for you guys. And speaking of that, like what's next for you? You kind of touched on that a little bit, but what's next for Luca and Danny and how are you going to get there? Uh so we we have a, you know, we get into the spring season. Uh we're actually going on uh, tomorrow's March uh 2nd. Uh which is actually my late brother's birthday. We sort of timed the uh spring launch with uh with that to to kind of weave him into the process, but 
we'll start our our uh, our seasonal spring uh, launches. Um, we'll roll into Mother's Day and then into summer, and you know we feel like from a brand perspective, it's the it's the best product we've ever had. So we're, I think, from a foundational level, we're we're really excited about the things that we're bringing out to market, and they've been well received from the uh, the wholesale community. Um, we've added some really talented people on the creative side. So uh, actually, tomorrow's launch will be the first time that they're really implementing their new strategy. So I think you know we're going to look as good as any big brand in our space going to market, which is, uh, which is real exciting for us. Um, and then we're going to push the envelope. I mean, I think one of the things for me is, you know, we have a brand and I think, uh, one of the challenges that I really like is how far can I push this? So, um, we have, we have a core wire wrap bracelet that we know works well and we'll continue to add things to that. Um, but we're doing cuffs, we're doing earrings, we're doing sterling, we're revising displays. Like we're really pushing the envelope of this brand uh, to really see how, how we can evolve it. And, um, and to me, that's the most, the most exciting part. We'll, we'll always be, you know, first and foremost jewelry. Uh, we don't have any intentions of adding other, any other different categories there. Um, but what look and dating looks like today, product wise, uh, will be very different than what it looks like if we talked a year from now. And, and my challenge as the, the guy who sort of oversees a lot of that product development is to try to take things that we've never done before, and figure out how to make them look on brands so that if someone were to see that piece without any branding, they can look at it and say, that's a look into any piece. So um, it's a hell of a challenge. And I think the whole team's kind of fired up to see uh, to see what where, where we could take things. Next level stuff. I like it. I like it. And now before we sign off, do you have any other closing thoughts or words of advice to end on? You know, one thing I've learned is, as I've gone through this, is really to sort of, you know, bet on yourself and bet on your team. And, uh, you know, I have days where I absolutely love this and I have days where I'm sure like most people, I'm like, what the hell have I done with my life? Um, but I think through it all, you've got to bet that you're going to be able to figure it out and, uh, you're going to have a vision that you, vision's always a little bit fluid, but, uh, you know, we want to get to an end goal. I know that I'll, I'll never get there the way that I planned, but when things happen and they don't go to plan, you know, we've got good, talented people and uh, I have a lot of faith and conviction in myself that we'll just we'll just figure it out. I think as I've gotten older, I'm I'm 39 now. I think as I've gotten older, you know, you get more mature about uh, if it doesn't go right, that's fine. We'll figure it out. And we'll 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 get things back on track. And um, that for me has been both in terms of age and in terms of I think maturity of being a founder and an entrepreneur as I've gone through this process better. I think I've gotten. I've, I really started to embrace it a little bit more that one thing I know is that everything's not going to go to plan. I know I'll have to fix something. I have no idea how I'll fix it, but I'll figure it out. And, uh, I think the sooner you can internalize that and become comfortable with it, I think the easier it makes you to, it makes it to do your job. Yeah, I completely agree. Where can we go to learn more about you and your company, Fred? Yeah, sure. So if you go to, it's uh, lucadanny.com. So it's L-U-C-A-D-A-N-N-I.com. Um, on the, I think it's on the bottom, we've got social links. We're on uh, both Instagram and Facebook. I'd suggest if anyone follows us on Instagram, um, I am the stereotypical founder who will not get his own Instagram. So uh, if you follow us on stories, you will see a lot of things where particularly on the weekend, uh, I will completely interrupt my creative team's well-curated stories with uh, things of me and my kids on weekends, um, which is kind of amusing if you follow it because there's uh, there's always some pretty funny things that go on. 
and uh, and I'd I'd recommend that um, we do a lot of cool things on on our blog and on our email. Uh, so if anyone really wants to follow the brand, I think email is always, uh, always the best way to kind of see what we're up to. Awesome. I'll link all that up in the show notes below. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Fred. All right. Thanks, Dylan. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got something valuable out of it. Subscribe to get notified when new episodes drop. And if you want to work with me, head over to wavebreak.co to learn more. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.